welcome to Wood Talk. Now, here are three guys who think true grit starts at 220. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. All right, it's Wood Talk number 413 for October 9th, 2017. On today's show, we're talking about woodworkers fighting cancer, dealing with pests in the shop, stable hardwoods, and what finish to use on a workbench. And today's show is sponsored by our friends at Brusso. Um, you know, I'm actually going to be using some Brusso hardware pretty soon. I've got a jewelry box project coming up, and I'm thinking knife hinges would be good for that. I haven't had a chance to use their hardware in a while, so I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, make sure you check out Brusso's Photo Extra newsletter. It's a weekly update from Brusso dedicated to customer submitted. Why is this not long enough? This stupid single column thing. I can't read. <laughs> Believe it or not, I am reading this. I know I know it doesn't seem like I am, but I'm reading this stuff. Uh, it's a weekly update from Brusso dedicated to customer-submitted photos. Brusso's customers work on detailed projects, including ring boxes, humidors, keepsakes, gun boxes, and furniture, of course. It's an excellent source of inspiration for your next project. The newsletter is short, quick, and has great photos, and it's delivered right to your inbox. So if you want to sign up, go to brusso.com slash photo extra. That's all one word. Brusso.com slash photo extra. And I look forward to using your hardware pretty soon, Brusso. It's good stuff. You open that little plastic package and you just go, oh, this is this is the stuff right here. And then you see that extra steel screw in the package, which is a nice treat. You guys notice that too? Oh, yeah. That's nice. I like right? that. So you can use that to uh, plow through the holes first before you uh, potentially damage your brass screws. It's, it's a really nice bonus. Um, we have some people to thank on Patreon too. Give me a second to pull those up. And by some people, I mean one person. Uh, John Malcolm. <laughs> you know, it's almost like we said we're doing uh, less stuff. We're doing less shows. And then people s- stopped wanting to give us money. That's weird how that works. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> but it's fair. Yeah. It's fair. We got what we deserved. Maybe not. Which is? Uh, less money. So, John Malcolm. Thank you so much for helping us out. And if you want to help the show, uh, stay on the air like those folks did, that folk did. Um, that's patreon.com slash wood talk. And you can get all the information on uh, little bonuses and things you can get by supporting us on a monthly basis. We do appreciate it. And let's get Ooh. to what's on the bench. Shall we gentlemen? Uh, yep. I'll go Looks first. Like you got some picture frames on your bench still. You I haven't do. moved those yet. I got to clean up the shop, man. It's uh, <laughs> I've been stuck inside the office and haven't gotten back in here. That they're they're sitting where they were when I photographed them. For the it's video. exactly the same layout, isn't it? You <laughs> they're just arranged, anything. ready to go. Uh, yeah, so I did my I did my resin embedded frames uh, with the resin casting in the center and got those all done. That was for the woodworkers fighting cancer drive, which we'll talk a little bit more about in what's new. Someone actually requested that we give a little history on that. So I'm, I'm glad to do it. Uh, but this is uh, going on all October. Anyone who wants to build a frame and you, you don't have to have the resin casting in the middle. I know a lot of people may not want to mess with epoxy. You could do just kind of a little hot glue action in the middle and just like put little decorations and things inside the frame. It's a super simple project and very easy to help out with the charity this year. Uh, so the cool thing is if you submit a picture of your frame by October 31st, we will donate a dollar on your behalf. If you do a build video on YouTube, we will donate $5 on your behalf. And if you use, there's a new app called Giddy. And if you post a video or picture to the Giddy app, they will donate $2 on your behalf. So that's actually a potential for $7 worth of donations made to the charity on your behalf, all by building a simple frame, uh, which is a you know fun project for the family. Or if you want to make it a memory shadow box kind of thing, you could certainly do that as well. So uh, what, what the- if I do a five part build series? Five dollars. <laughs> five dollars. <laughs> Today we're making is it more one if it's miter in 4K? joint. 
Yeah. Well, you know what? The resolution does count. So maybe. What if what if they're on different channels? Because if I do it in 4K, it's got to be five parts long because of yes. the size of each file. Of course. Uh, we, we have questions like that, too, where uh, the one guy is a doctor and he said he wants to build all the frames and then give them to all of his nurses to then do the decoration and will each one of those count, you know, we've got to figure out like all of these particular cases and, and like which ones will we count, which ones won't we count. So it gets a little confusing. Uh, but ultimately I think if each person decorates one on their own, that would count as uh, you know, one each and then we would count, you know, each one for a dollar. Um, oh man. Yeah. I've got a few kids. It's going to get expensive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, yeah, I guess if you had, if you have a couple kids, you make a couple of frames and you could take a picture with each kid with their frame. Each one would count. All right. You guys are going to cost me a bunch lot. of frames to my wife's school. You're going to cost like, me a like lot of money. It's like when Girl money. Scout cookie time comes around. <laughs> right. Show up and Let's yeah. see how generous Mark really is. Hey, it's going to, we're on the, we're on the hook here, <laughs> whatever happens. So, uh, yeah. So I'm also preparing for a talk, uh, like next week or maybe the week after. I got to look at the calendar, but that the uh, Denver, Denver Woodworking Club Woodworkers Guild or whatever they call it, uh, going to talk a little bit about finishing there, which should be kind of fun. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to pull a Cremona here. I'm going to talk. Yeah, I was going to say, you were poo-pooing guilds a couple months ago. No, I was. I was what happened? <laughs> well, it's my local guild, and I can't judge them yet because I haven't actually <laughs> attended and I haven't met anyone there. So, well, well, it's your local guild. You're going for the first time to be a speaker, and you're not even a member. Wow. Well... Come on. Wow. That's pretty <laughs> something. Well, dude, I just moved here. What do you want me to do? <laughs> You've been there a year. I don't want to tell me I just moved there. Oh, that's do, true. Do you, ha- do you have an appearance agent and a performance agent? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's uh, Nicole uh, Spagnolo is one of them, and uh, Nicole R. Spagnolo is the other one. <laughs> okay. Uh, so the other thing is I have to design a jewelry box that's coming up in the guild. Haven't even lifted a finger for that. I've got this project is like supposed to start next week, and I've got people going, "Hey, what's this thing going to look like?" And uh, I say, "I don't know," because I haven't designed it yet. So <laughs> it'll be a surprise. It'll be a surprise for everybody. So that's uh that's it. That's nice. it for me, Matt. What do you got going on? Oh, speaking of the guild, I guess I'm trucking through the high boy Yay. right now. That's uh, yep, that's a thing in itself. Uh, where am I right now? I got the drawer dividers installed, the uppercase, and then I did the scroll board. You know, the thing that looks phallic. Yes. Which everyone reminds me that it's super phallic. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. and they're acting like I'm the first one to do that. <laughs> I'm like the people back you might be, years uh, ago. You might be the first one they've seen. I think this might be what it is. Yeah. We're talking like, about this, YouTube. This is a very common like <laughs> design Yeah, on that period. So it kind of makes you wonder like what exactly that came from. Like who was like this? Oh, is I know idea. where it came from. <laughs> <laughs> I'll send you a text later, Matt. Show you where it came from. Somebody with a very good sense of humor <laughs> back in the day. And you're yeah. not the first one to do it, Matt. Didn't you see Mark's uh, Moana, like Maui hook video? Come on. Oh, that's Ooh. right. That's true. I could it not is. get away from that thing looking like a little wiener. There's <laughs> nothing I could do. Even when you wrapped it in a rope, still looked that it way. It still looked like a little wiener, but you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> oh, man. So the other thing I want to mention, too, I think you guys will appreciate, and we're gonna, I think we're going to talk about this on the next show, is uh, last weekend, I built a couple of apple presses, mm-hmm. and we had talked about this in the past. We're like, if we want to build something, we're like, kind of like feel like, I don't know, like if it ashamed is not the right word for it, but like we missed out if we don't film it. Mm-hmm. 
I didn't film that because I found the secret to being successful with that. Build something you already built and just tell people to go watch the video thing you already did last year. Right. <laughs> you can do your woodworking and not have to worry about holding a camera around. And I tell you what, that feeling is very weird. Is it? I'm, I'm so used to now not thinking about the project first, thinking about the shot first and thinking about the camera setup first. And then the, the shot comes second. And all the time I spend between every single operation moving the camera around and that's gone. You know, like you can, you can literally fly through things. I'm like, this is crazy. I used to be fast at woodworking. Well, you're, you're right on the heels of the European chair thing that you did, you know? So it's, uh, it's, it, I think it might be sending you down the wrong path here. Life is, <laughs> life is not that easy, Matt. <laughs> it is. I'm not saying I'm going to change anything. I'm just saying that I think once in a while, it might be nice for us to be able to just get up in the shop and build something without having to worry about the camera all the time. And to not feel bad about doing that, build something you already built. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. That's a good idea. <clears throat> well, I, I have a solution for that. <clears throat> um, since I guess it's my turn. Yeah, go. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm still, I'm working on this, uh, this wall mirror for the hand tool school, but I'm gathering materials to build a perch stool. And my solution is just build it live because that works too. <laughs> I just set up the cameras, hit start the stream and go to work. Um, and now I've gotten to the point. The only thing I have to do occasionally is switch, um, switch cameras through my, my, uh, uh broadcasting software, mm-hmm. you know, for tight and wide, but mm-hmm. it actually works pretty well. Um, you know, you've got to spend some time setting up the camera angles ahead of time, put a little yeah, bit of thought into like, like one, or, go. one or two camera angles. You set it and basically yeah. forget it, I guess. Set it and forget it. And if you uh, have, you know, a, um, a production assistant, a, a Nicole Spagnolo or something like that, <laughs> she can sit there and, you know, switch the, switch the camera angles for you. And it actually, yeah, I, I built that bookcase in January and I remember thinking that at the time, like, Hey, this is going really fast. Like, cause you're not having to stop yeah. and switch a camera angle or anything like that because it was just, it was rolling. You know, there was a live shot there with the chat room and everything. So yeah, I'm going to do that again. I'm going to build the perch stool next Saturday, the 14th, um, high noon Eastern time. I'm going to fire up the stream and start writhing out some legs and spend some time with the lathe and turn out, uh, legs. Essentially I'm building like the bottom half of a Windsor chair, mm. except taller, you know, it's a stool. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's specifically a perch style, so it's got that kind of lean forward aspect. So mm-hmm. it's like good for your posture and all that fun stuff. So nice, yeah. fun. I have no idea how long it's going to take. I mean, <laughs> probably just. It's not like I'm going to be doing like a thirty. Six it'll hour be thirty six hours. <laughs> Shannon will be like, "Please send in your donations now." <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do like you know an hour and what I get done in an hour, and then kind of say, "Okay, rinse and repeat." You know, there's three yeah. legs. So I will probably get through riving out and turning maybe probably, let's be honest, maybe one leg <laughs> yeah. in the course of an hour when you're, when you're talking to a chat room and stuff like that. But the, you know, the good news is, is the other two legs are, well, the, what the other back leg is the same, everything, same dimension, same, everything front leg is a little bit shorter. So it's just a matter of, you know, cutting the same things on the lathe just in a slightly compressed version. Sunday, I will probably do all the boring of the holes, the resultant angles and the reaming of the tenons are the, the mortises and actually get like a flat plank up and, and seated. If I have time, I'll move on to the stretchers and then I'll probably go into the next weekend to do the carving of the seat. So I guess. Doesn't Cosman we'll do this with his online thing where basically he's building projects and doing things, but it's all real time. 
I don't know. I'm pretty no sure idea. he does because I know he's got a camera person that helps him. And I've heard from people that uh, that's that's all it is. You're seeing these things in real time. So when you're looking at like you get 10 hours of content, well, it's actually 10 hours of like literally being there for the 10 hour process of building this thing. Um, but yeah, I think that's his approach to it as well. I mean, you, you got to do it right. I mean, you basically watch a lot of Woodwright shop episodes and see, see like how Roy manages to move from topic to topic to topic to make it yeah. somewhat entertaining. Sure. There, there's an art in that, you know, it's also exhausting, but yeah, I'm know. always impressed that he like nails the timing. Like what is like yeah. 22 minutes. It's like, I start the project to start the episode. It's like straight through and then I'm done right on time. Yeah. You've, you really got to have some preparation for that. It almost reminds me of like uh, cooking shows, you know, where you have like, okay, we're going to put this in the oven and then here's the finished one. You pull out Surprise. this beautiful baked apple pie. Yeah, well, I actually got a, I got a behind the scenes look at that when I was at the Woodwright school, Roy had the bench like right behind me, which you want to talk about distracting, like trying to work while Roy Underhill is right over your shoulder, like cracking jokes the whole time, <laughs> trying to just trying to screw you up essentially. But he was building the infield shaker cupboard, which he did like the following season. It was probably like season 30 or something like that. And season I actually got 30. to see, I think he made like six different versions of that. Like while I was there for the week building a Windsor chair, Roy built that infield cupboard <laughs> to some extent six times so that he was able Jeez. to have the setups to be able to wow. go, okay, here's how we shape the bottom curve. And when you're done that, you know, and here's a whole other <laughs> this setup. This is how it should look. <laughs> right. Didn't, didn't David Mark say the same thing, Mark? Like yes. he had to have like four or five different versions of the same project. Yeah. That's how I, I got that coffee table from him. He actually sent me <laughs> one of the coffee tables that was made was on like, the show. I got six of these, but you it was like, one? he was sitting in storage and it was like three quarters. Actually, it was actually completely constructed. It just didn't have a finish on it. And it was one that was used to show on video prior to the finish. So yeah, he used to have to do tons of that stuff. I know Tommy, uh, when I went to, um, Boston to do the show, they, they had the same situation. There were like 20 versions of every possible step and iteration uh, that they had to prepare all that stuff ahead of time so they could do this in one day. It's crazy. Wow. I had no fun. All right. Yeah. I changed, I changed what I said, Matt. It's not easier. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you do it the way we do it, you know, two cameras right. and you just go live and it is what it is. A different story. Okay. Right. So let's get to what's new. And uh, this is where we'll talk a little bit about uh, the woodworkers fighting cancer thing. So I actually had a question from Nick. He says, uh, wait a minute, that's not the right question. I copy and pasted the wrong question there. So this one, there was a question that someone asked me, what is the history of woodworkers fighting cancer? And I put a question about about uh, someone's workshop here. So let's pretend I actually read that question. Uh, So yeah, woodworkers fighting cancer started, oh, 2010. I believe it was. So there was a gentleman by the name of Dwayne Moore who emailed me and was um, going through treatment for pancreatic cancer, I believe. And he was trying to create some things for his kids. Uh, and and his, his um, prognosis was not great at the time. And he was just looking to get some of these things done. So to help him, um, he was trying to do modifications of a uh, like a blanket chest build, one of Rockler's plans. And I was like, you know what? I could do more than just kind of give you advice on this. I'll make this my next project and I'll actually make a video that everyone can can follow. And this would actually be really intended for him as a specific how-to for him to get the job done. So that was kind of what started the relationship. Um, we had a, a lot of emails back and forth and really great guy, great family. And we decided to go out and visit him. <clears throat> Excuse me. And went to his shop and did a little bit of, uh, you know, just instructional stuff hanging out in his shop. And, um, 
from that point on, uh, he, he passed away shortly after that. And we decided that this, uh, we would take everything we've done online once a year and direct it into, you know, cancer charities and try to make this, um, you know, t- turning all of this stuff that we've created, this community that we've rallied behind, uh, you know, woodworking content and see if we can't turn it into something, you know, awesome for charity. And it really, it really all goes back to Dwayne and his family. Um, and I still, I think his son follows some of our live broadcasts once in a while. I get to hear from them, um, but a great bunch of people. And since then, we've done this every year. And now in 2017, we've raised, I think we're about to hit the $100,000 mark. Um, for awesome for total funds. Right. And it's like, we, we can't even take credit for this because it was, it was our idea, but it was really every year it's the community that's building things that allow us to pledge dollars for those builds. And now the companies that are getting involved, the auctions are one of the things that takes our totals. Uh, We always hit our goal because of these things, uh, where tool companies, are basically just giving us a tool. We auction it off. Somebody who needs that tool buys it. They usually wind up paying full price, if not more than full price, but the entire uh, amount of funds, excuse me, goes directly to the charity. Uh, So all these companies are either getting a little promotion for it, but they're also able to help out with a good cause. So wrap everything together. And every year we raise about 15 grand is usually our goal. uh, And we give that directly to various cancer charities. So uh, this year we are contributing to the Jimmy Fund, and that's a fund that directly funds the uh, Dana-Farber Institute. And so some years we, we support research, some years we support care. And, uh, you know, there's different uh, organizations out there that just try to make people comfortable or make things easier for them as they go through like the, this, this incredibly difficult battle in their lives and also support for the families. Uh, so it's, it's something that's really special to Nicole and I, uh, we have a lot of folks in our family who are, you know, either have passed away from a cancer related illness or are currently undergoing treatment for cancer, including both of our fathers. So yeah, it, you know, cancer sucks. Everybody knows that. And it's hard to find anyone whose life is not directly touched by it. So I can't think of a, a, a better cause for us to get behind. So, so that's what it is. Uh, go to woodworkersfightingcancer.com. All the history is there as well as previous builds. You could see everything that people built in the past and you could find out how to get involved for this year. And uh, we hope everybody will build along because it's uh, definitely a good cause. Right on. That's awesome. Yeah, it's good. It's a feel good thing. I'll tell you this time of year, it it makes us feel like everything that we've been doing for 10 years over a decade. um, If, if all we could say is that we've been able to contribute tons of money to cancer research, (laughs) I would say we've succeeded in what we set out to do. (laughs) All we've done is given a bunch of money to cancer research. Like what I'm saying is all of the woodworking stuff. If that's the end result of it, it was totally worth it. Awesome. So, uh, do we have any, I don't know what to do with this questionnaire. I'll figure that out uh, later. This, this is, this is, this is, uh, Oh, with that question, um, yeah, ignore that much, Just much, 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 much less impressive, um, than a hundred thousand dollars <laughs> raised for cancer research. All charity is good. Charity <laughs> is, is another little charity. One of my Angel school members, um, Ernie Stevenson, he, his site is grandpa's little farm.com. And he he has been restoring auger bits for years. Like if you want to buy a bunch of auger bits for your brace that look like they're brand new, 
but they're hundreds of years old. I mean, he mm. makes them shiny and pretty and everything. But he's also started doing this with a bunch of other old tools. And he decided he wanted to create like a starter kit, a jack plane with like multiple blades, just like the perfect thing to give a new woodworker to say, here's all the plane you need right now. It's a couple mm. of blades for scrub work and for finishing work and joining work. He even includes like a screwdriver and a little coin driver. And he had custom made chip breakers done. He restored this jack plane to the point where you'd swear it was just made by Stanley yesterday, like brand new Japaning, perfectly shiny. He turned uh, a Madrone handle, uh, shaped a Madrone tote. It looks gorgeous. And he's decided he wants to auction it off uh, and give the funds to the America Red Cross for hurricane relief. Hmm. So he contacted me and said, you know, would it be cool if you announced this on like one of your live broadcasts? And I said, heck yeah. In fact, I'll throw in a semester of the hand tool school, just kind of sweeten the pot. Um, then he came up with what he called his short kit because there's a lot of people who already have a jack plane. So the short kit is basically the three blades and the custom chip breaker and the screwdrivers and everything. And all you have to do is add jack plane. Um, so those two things are being auctioned off right now. Um, it started up yesterday uh, and and we did it this way just because we, we were uncertain. And frankly, there was very little time. Uh, we were uncertain who to give it to because some of the charities obviously have operating expenses and stuff. And it was Ernie was pretty clear that he wanted a hundred percent of the funds to go right there. So, um, check it out. It's, um, actually I I found out later it's the exact same auction service that Mark is using. So yay. (laughs) That kind of worked out well. So I I think, what is it? Uh, 32 auctions.com slash Jack plane starter kit. Um, but I'll include a link here. Go check it out. It runs through next Thursday, 6.30 p.m. Thursday, the 12th. Yeah, the 12th is when it shuts down. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we're like up to 250 bucks or something last I checked last night. So, awesome. Yeah. Can't beat that, man. Gotta love charity. Yeah. Makes you feel good. Okay, so Yay. let's get into our kickbacks here. <laughs> Yay! Yay! <laughs> Got one from Rich. He says, uh, I found Mark's reasoning not to purchase your last machine first sound given the question on purchasing the super duper Inkra router table first. And so my kickback is to request that Mark clarify why he disagreed with Matt's analogous reasoning on the purchase of the jet portable combo that <laughs> we can't, we can't get away from this. I love this it. Is coming back. <laughs> <laughs> I saw in, uh, in Facebook, uh, one of the Facebook groups, there was a question about it. I'm like, I'm not even going in there. Don't go. Don't do it. <laughs> okay. So the jet portable combo jointer planer. The latter purchase was discussed in the last couple of months. I'll add that my reasoning to purchase the 10 inch combo jet jointer planer about a year ago was similar. Buy into a modest unit, learn, and then consider purchasing up. I'm space constrained and so can only consider combo units. Finally, my vote is, finally, my vote is that we use the names your parents gave you and let your close friends tag you with a nickname. (laughs) So I guess our, (laughs) our stupid nickname game that we've been playing. Uh, and, and he says, thanks for the hard work putting the podcast together. I've learned a lot. Rich. Well, thanks, Rich. Appreciate that. And, um, you know, you notice we don't really call each other those names. That is what other people call us. I still, I still call these goons by their, their given names. Okay. So uh, here's the difference. Uh, Matt's, uh, Matt's gearing up for this. <laughs> I'm not gearing up for anything. You say your thing and I'm done. Okay. The difference here is when I say don't buy your uh, last tool first, I'm saying buy a more modest version. What I'm referring to is a more modest version that actually works. Okay. <laughs> the The problem is, and I know some people have had You're success. You're just going to fan the fire so even more. I love it. Uh, there, there are people who have had success with that particular joiner planer combo unit, but there are many, many others who have not. So my point is, yeah, sure. You can go for a joiner planer combo, but try the floor standing jet version. 
And Grizzly, I believe, has a comparable one. They're a little more expensive, certainly. I think they're like $1,500 or something like that. But the thing is, you have to get something that actually works and works well. If you buy so cheap on your first tool, you go the other so far in the other direction that you actually buy something that impedes your ability to get the job done, that's bad. Right? There is a lower limit to how far you should go with your first modest purchase. So that's why I'm saying read the reviews, decide for yourself, take what you know Matt and some others who've had success with it, take what they said into account, but also look at the people who want to stay as far away from that machine as possible and think about what, what you might be able to do to get something that does something similar. Maybe it's a little bit more money, but at least you're getting both of the tools that will not frustrate the crap out of you. So that's kind of where I'm coming from with that. I won't even give Matt a chance to rebuttal. There, there's no need for it. <laughs> I've already said my thing. Like you said your piece ten episodes ago. Yeah. So go back and listen again <laughs> if you want to hear the uh, counter. Unless someone wants me to clarify, they're welcome to send a kickback, and I will clarify some more. I guess. We'll do that next week then. Yeah. There you go. Next time we'll be doing the thing for Matt. There you Matt, go. explain your opinion some more. <laughs> That's what <laughs> we need here. We need we we need to throw in some miter saw talk too. Just oh just yeah, to just it to round it out. Yeah. <laughs> Really good. We have. <laughs> okay, so we have a domino uh, or pocket holes. What do you think? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, let's uh, go to Chase's <laughs> kickback about sore hands. Hey guys, Chase. Oh, poop biscuits. Hold on a second. Wow. See, the thing is, I listen to music and stuff, and uh, <laughs> that screws up my setup for podcasting. Okay. Here, and I just wanted to Here give a. Hey guys, Chase from CN Woodwork here, and I just wanted to give a little feedback about a sore hands question you had a little bit ago. Uh, basically, I'd say you guys are on the right track. Watching how hard you're holding tools, how much pressure you're putting that's unnecessary, makes a huge difference as far as the fatigue I feel in my hands. Uh, now, I may be on the opposite side of the spectrum, being that the gloves I wear are usually extra large to double extra large, but the amount of work that I'm doing on a regular basis really makes my hands sore at the end of the day. The other thing I've noticed that really helps is I got some of those hand squeeze exercisers. They're kind of the spring type exercisers for your hands. And I'll do 10 to 20 minutes of exercise at night if I notice my hands are sore. And the next day I won't have much soreness at all. So that really helps. I think they sell them in different sizes and different weights. Uh, So definitely check that out. And I hope that helps. And I want to say thanks for the show, guys. Always valuable information here. And just for the record, Shannon's Lumber is my favorite segment on the show. Keep it up, guys. Have a good one. <laughs> but is it because of the song or the content? Yeah. That's what I want to It's got to be because of the song. <laughs> I, I hear that all the time. Like, I love that Lumber update. You got to do more of that. And it's like, uh, okay. <laughs> it's funny. People find that really interesting. And I thought it was going to be boring as I'll get out. Well, here so, we go. There we go. Shannon's Lumber Industry Update. So there's really nothing to update this week, right? Uh, you, what did we say the update was? Saws are still running, trees are still being They're cut still down. cutting down trees. <laughs> still cutting down trees. <laughs> and uh, tune in next week. <laughs> <laughs> Where we'll cut down some more trees. Yeah, okay, so we got another uh, voice. Yeah, actually, you know what? I do have oh, a longer update. Okay. Now that I think uh-huh. about it. Um, Speaking of cutting down trees, there is an enormous amount of mahogany that is now being reclaimed from Florida after the hurricane. Hmm. So anybody who has always wanted to work with Cuban mahogany, the real stuff, Sweetina mahogany, the stuff that is like CITES listed Appendix 1, can't be traded, can't be bought or sold whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, 
this is Florida-grown Cuban mahogany. I know that um, actually Alf Sharp, you guys know Alf, uh, period furniture maker, yeah. um, not the not the Muppet. Um, <laughs> sorry, Alf. Sorry, Alf. I regretted that the minute I said it. Yeah, you yeah. sure. Uh, sorry. Yeah, uh, he actually terrible. contacted me at the lumberyard the other day, and he has um, some of that Cuban mahogany that he's trying to to sell. He's got some. 14 and 18 inch wide Cuban mahogany. So um, it, it's out there. If you do a little bit of digging around, I've actually found some stuff on Craigslist as well. So the urban nice. logging movement or the post hurricane logging movement, I should say is alive and well, and there's some interesting stuff coming out of it. But Great. There we go. Okay. We just made up a lumber update on the fly. Update, yeah. Let's get some. Perfect. All right. So yeah, we got one from a uh, nice lumber. Some, uh, there's our show sample, type. Sample pack. Some. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get to uh, Chris Meek's kickback here. Hello and greetings, gentlemen. This is Christopher again. I will be your pilot this evening. I just want to let you know how much I appreciate your noble attempt at a podcast. You really have done a fine job. I'm not going to say you did an excellent job by any means. I mean, let's get real. Mark already has the ego of a well-endowed hip-hop rapper guy. We don't need to make that any worse than it already is. What? But seriously, for a minute, I just want to let you guys know how much I do appreciate the work you're doing here. You somehow managed to make woodworking interesting and entertaining to listen to. But the thing that really does it for me is your crossover into the nerd culture. You know, I hear references to comic books and video games, Star Wars. I'm pretty sure I heard a reference to Monty Python, if I'm not mistaken. In which case... You might want to explain that to Max. I really don't think he gets it. (laughs) But seriously, guys, keep up the good work. I enjoy what you're doing. And incidentally, I would like to know what comic books do you read and what video games do you play? Interesting, interesting. Now, get back to work. Ugh, glad that's over with. I don't know how much longer I can keep a straight face on that one. Man, you guys do a great job. I love what you do. <laughs> Gag me with a spoon. What a bunch of douchebags. Oh, crap. Is this thing still... Uh, <clears throat> yeah. We have the best actors in our audience. It's really oh, good. Yeah. Almost as good as us, actually. Okay. Uh, I guess do we want to answer that Almost. question real quick? What do you like to read, Shannon? Oh, boy. What week is it? Um, whatever I happen to fall into, um, I've been reading, actually rereading why the last man again. Oh, that's so good. Uh, isn't it though? I love awesome. that. So good. Really, it's really too good. Sh- feels too short. Uh, let's see. I was doing invincible last week. I've been kind of back to, um, early guardians of the galaxy stuff. Mm-hmm. Like what is it? 1970 guardians. Yeah. So like learning the character that Sylvester Stallone played in the second Guardians movie. Yeah, I've been reading that lately. Nice. Good stuff. I've yeah. I've actually been reading a lot of kids stuff because every night we've moved on from like <laughs> regular kids books at night. To, Tales. To, Woo. Yeah, we're now reading comic books every night on my iPad. Uh, so I'm reading a lot of Teen Titans Go, <laughs> which is oh, it's actually right really, really funny. And the cartoon is hilarious. Um, so a lot of my like classic standard woodworking, you know, capes and tights kind of reading is, is gone by the wayside. Cause it's all about what Mateo wants to read at this point. Uh, video game wise, I'm playing a lot of, uh, Zelda on the switch right now and, uh, trying to get through that. And, uh, what was the thing that just came out? Destiny two just came out. So we've been playing a little bit of that too. Uh, it's a little bit of everything. So Matt, 
the funny thing is you're the youngest in the group. Do you read <laughs> comics or play video games? I have never read a comic in my life. See, so uh, I knew that I knew this was going to be the answer. What's the and deal? I haven't. Man? I don't know. It's not something I never did. I guess unless you count like Archie. No, we don't count that <laughs> at all. I'd be I'd be curious <laughs> to see how prevalent that is across Matt's demographic, though. Just yeah. because, like, I got into comics when I was little because there wasn't you know there wasn't really anything else you right. know. Um, there, there was no YouTube, there was no internet to get my, my entertainment from. So whenever fantasy Island wasn't on TV, I had nothing else to do, you know, be plain, be plain. <laughs> and, and, and with Batman 66 on all the time, it was like, oh man, I'm going to pick up a Batman comic. And you know, that was it. And yeah. GI Joe comics. Are you kidding me? Hey-o. I was playing with my GI Joe action figures. And then there was a comic that came out. Dude, I and... still read GI Joe. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's fantastic. <laughs> Heck yeah. I've got like 300 issues or so of it. So the old guys are the, the comic book readers and the video game players and, and match just making wood furniture. And I, used, ba- and I used to put video games and then I started doing this full time. I didn't have time for it anymore. And I had kids and dude, you make time, you figure it out. You make time for these important things. I feel bad. So I could be like actually working and like answering someone's email that I won't have time to get to otherwise. <laughs> yeah. Good point. Good point. You just make <sighs> us look bad. That's all. Okay, uh, so let's get to our uh, voicemail questions now. Uh, Sweaty Colin called in as a question about laminating workbenches. Sweaty Colin. Hey, guys, this is Colin, the sweaty guy from Chicago. I didn't say this last time, but I just wanted to say thank you so much for your answers on the last question. Now, I have another question for you. On the opposite end of woodworking, this one has to do with workbenches. I'm building a new workbench. It's based on the Moravian workbench by Will Myers, and I wanted something that was collapsible because I live in an apartment. But because I live in an apartment, I don't have a lot of clamps because I don't have the room to keep them. So laminating up the top was looking difficult. And I was thinking of building some of Shannon's panel clamps until I came across a segment in Roy Underhill's book where he suggested drilling through the side and putting in threaded rods and then just bolting the whole mess together. And I've never heard of this I went through a quick Google search and I didn't turn up much. So I was curious, what do you guys think of this? Would this be a decent way to get proper clamping pressure for laminating up something like a bench top? I'd love your guys' opinions. Thanks so much. This reminds me of the classic butcher block construction, yeah. right? That's what where I was going to say. Where they've got the, the threaded blocks. rods going through them. So you guys see anything wrong with this? It seems like it would work. No, nope. I don't see anything wrong with it. Um, what I wonder is... I don't know. I mean, <clears throat> tackle the immediate project. I mean, clamps are something that you're always going to want, right? So mm-hmm. now might be a good opportunity to to get some. Get I mean, when you, you don't have to have you don't have to have 48 inch wide clamps to do a workbench top. You know, workbench tops about 24 inches wide. So buying the what is that 31 inch <laughs> jets that I've got? Those are like probably the most used clamp in yeah, my shop. That's the ideal so, size. I mean, I, I understand. Certainly, it's 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 they are expensive. Parallel clamps are expensive. Bar clamps really are not that all expensive. If you have no clamps right now, I think it's a perfect opportunity to buy clamps. Yes, the threaded rod thing will work, but on the next project, when it's time to need clamps, maybe you can do it again. Drill a hole through it and do a <laughs> threaded rod again. All you my know? projects have holes in them. <laughs> right it's a well, design feature and he's going to need a lot of uh threaded rod to get through that i don't i'm not hip on the latest prices on threaded rod but by the time you buy all of those you probably could have bought one clamp well the question yeah. i have for that is how many you think you're going to need 
to do a workbench top, like one every foot. Is that even enough? Yeah. And yeah, then what I are you tightening down? You need something, something to tighten down. You need a call of some sort. It could just be a, a board with a hole drilled through it and like a wing nut or something like that. But something's got to apply pressure to the outside. You're not tapping the bench, you know, so the, all the rod is, is just providing, you know, the, the means for which to clamp on either side of it. So you're going to need something else there that's going to, you know, an outlay of cash. It's probably not much. It could just be a two by four, but still something else to think about. Then you're getting whatever piece of hardware that's actually threading on and clamping a bolt and a fender washer, maybe yeah. to give you a little bit of clamping pressure. But um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just do like the bolt and fender washer right on the workbench. I would want some call to spread out the clamping force. Right. right. So instead of it, cause otherwise Ideally. you need a whole bunch of threaded rod. You need yeah. one probably every 12 inches on yeah. the bench. Gotta spread it so out if there. you had a call that could spread it out over maybe 24 inches, then you're still looking at four threaded rods at tool, probably 36 inches long. I I'm trying to think they're, they're cheap. Yeah, they're, they're not, not super like, expensive, but they're not free. I would say maybe 12 bucks, 15 bucks for a 36-inch, yeah. three-quarter-inch or inch diameter threaded rod. You know, so, and we are coming up on clamp sale season. That's true. Black Friday is coming. Usually this time of year. Clamps every year. This is where you can order <laughs> clamps and maybe get them by summer because <laughs> they usually sell out. Uh, but keep an eye out. You know, this is the time of year to buy clamps. So. So, I mean, the easy answer is yes, it's the totally legit way of doing it. But I, I'm always telling people, don't buy tools until you need them. Well, you need them. Now, now. you need and them. And you're going to use that clamp on every project here on out. Um, the other thing is, is I often don't like, I don't like the idea of gluing up a workbench all at once. I like gluing it up into smaller sub-assemblies mm-hmm. just because there's so much room for error. You know, I mean, I guess unless you're like using a domino or dowels to align you, all the... You've got alignment holes built right in. Built I guess that's, holes. I guess oh, that's it's done. But, but here's, the, here's the other thing. <laughs> if you drilled the holes exactly so that the threaded rod aligned it, are you going to be oh. able to get the threaded rod back out because you just glued it in place with all the glue? Counter that there. with a smaller uh, dowel. No problem. You just use a hacksaw and saw I'm it I'm just thinking, you, again, like, like a butcher block, you leave it in there. Yes, yeah. in case you need to Until tighten it down. You have there. another bench top to glue up, and you don't want to buy some more thread or rod. <laughs> and you gotta, You're yeah, like, you gotta yank those things out. <laughs> oh, it's so complicated <laughs> this woodworking thing. Uh, uh, okay, so we've got a question here. This is interesting. I don't know where this joke comes from. Uh, maybe Shannon, you could shed, shed some light on this. But this is for your alter ego, whose name is Keith. He specified that in his email, and he addresses Keith. But I don't know the joke. Is there something huh. with uh, your alter ego? I, I don't know. Okay, well then, this is for Keith. Hey guys, Andy here from Missouri. Thanks for the show. My question is for Keith. Hey Keith, if you had a choice between marrying Khaleesi, Mother of Dragons, or saving all of your silly, precious hand tools from a dragon fire, which would you choose? Thanks. Bye. Well, aside from insulting your wife, uh, what, what, what would you do in this situation, Shannon? <laughs> There's there's not a Keith in Game of Thrones, is there? That seems rather out Keith, of place. Keith, yeah, he's a dragon slayer he's, known as Keith. He's, he's, he's the guy that that changes John John Snow's uh, a chamber pot. That's right, right. Keith, yeah, Keith. He, he comes he, in and replaces. He dumps the, the poo. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, I would I would keep all my hand tools. I like the question. I just don't understand the yeah. Keith thing. You'd keep she, your hand tools? She, yeah, she scares me. She seems like she would be a little bit pushy. Yeah. You know, I mean, we're not, we're talking about marrying, so you're going to have to deal with her for more than a day. 
And yeah, uh, I, I think I might, I might get killed. But yeah, you, you so could be no, sacrificial. Gonna, true. Yeah, she, she's uh, a loose so cannon, think, you know, and she's just about to, to become even more powerful and she's got dragons for pets. Power. Right. That could be cool. But I don't or, think my, or, my dog would get along well it, with the dragons. That's right. <laughs> there would be lots of barking all the time. Yeah. That wouldn't be good. So I'm going to stick to my hand tools. That's good. Good. Good answer. Uh, okay. So if you want to send us a voicemail, you can do so. Just use the voice memo app on your little telephone thingy in your pocket and email that to woodtalkonline at gmail.com. And we've already done the lumber update, so we can skip that. Uh, let's go into our emails. Uh, I got a question here from Kenny, and that's not. Shannon's dog. He doesn't know how to type because he's dumb. Could be. <laughs> he's Is that dumb, why? He's a dumb dog. <laughs> he's not <laughs> dumb. He's got border collie in him. Most he's dogs smart. can type. Kenny just can't. I don't know what the problem is. Uh, he says, my shop is in a garage like a lot of people and I'm constantly getting spider webs everywhere. Under the bench, table saw, wood rack. Do you have a similar problem? And if so, how do you deal with it? All right. So I never really had this problem in Arizona. I've had other types of infestations like scorpions, which are always fun. Mm, Uh, We've had crickets. That was interesting. Uh, But here in Colorado in the last couple of months, so toward the end of summer, I don't know what happens, but spider webs everywhere, like in the back, in the fence posts, you know, like every time a fence post comes up, that vertical uh, leg there's spider webs coming down each side and it's all around the house, all around the fences everywhere. I don't know what's what the deal is with spiders, but anyway, so yeah, I actually have had this happen. And typically what I do is I just, I get the vacuum cleaner and I suck it up. (laughs) So I don't really think too much about it. This is totally something where if it's, it's really a problem, you could actually get some kind of uh, treatment. I mean, in Arizona, we had a monthly pesticide treatment. I didn't, didn't like having pesticides in and around the house, uh, but it was something that was necessary in that area unless we wanted scorpions and all kinds of little beasties running around the house all the time. So you could get a service uh, and just have them do the shop and they will spray and do the perimeter and the outside of the home and that could definitely protect you. But you got to be okay with you know pesticides. So for me, it's not worth it right now. Nothing that I've seen scares me enough or gives me uh, <laughs> gives me the uh, sort of hint that this might be a larger problem at work. So until that happens, I'll just continue to 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 suck it up with my vacuum cleaner and and wait for winter to kill these things. Uh, but yeah, I, again, pesticides and things like that can work. But you know, call a company and get them to, to spray in the shop if it's really that problematic for you. Do you guys have any major pest issues in the shop? Or have you? I get any? lots of, I get lots of, uh, sp- I guess they're spider webs. I mean, they're some sort of web type thing. I don't actually see a lot of spiders. They're almost cob- but, cobwebby. You know, yeah. Very fine. Um, yeah. I know what you're talking about. And the way I handle that, it was usually an indication of a tool that I just wasn't using anymore. So I usually sold it. <laughs> it's uh, your table saw was covered with them. It was just, covered with it. It looked and, like and, a cocoon. Like, <laughs> Like, like I, I did a oh. live broadcast last night for the Renaissance Woodworker, and I was talking about how I never use my tail vice anymore. If you look into the hole on my workbench, there's so many cobwebs <laughs> wrapped around the vice screw in there. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's just a sign that it's time to rip the, the tail vice out and sell it. So There yeah. you go. It's, a, it's an indicator. That's good. It's, there are helpful friends, the spiders, telling you what you don't need anymore. <laughs> Maybe you could just get some, like, birds to hang out in your shop. You know, oh, and I had to have the spiders. <laughs> there was there was there was bird crap everywhere. Oh. The bird flew in the garage door and it didn't know how to get out and it kept like beating against the back window oh. and just freaking out and just crapping everywhere. I was like, "Stop it!" <laughs> get out of here, you bird! Quit crapping on my tools. Oh, that's terrible, Matt. You ever had any pests in the shop? 
Uh, in the summer, it's uh, really prevalent. Uh, I get a lot of insects in the shop. If I leave the doors open at night with the lights on, they just oh, come right down in there. Yeah. And if I try and if I leave the shop, and I open the door, all the bugs are up against the glass. They all come flying in. So I usually have to deal with a lot of mosquitoes and a lot of like house flies, things like that. So the cobwebs or spider webs are kind of nice because that catches them. And I also have a small bug zapper out there, which kind of takes care of the flying things. Mm-hmm. Spiders don't really bother me a whole lot. Like I said, I kind of like seeing the other insects in their webs. It kind of makes me feel happy. <laughs> and then um, at some point, I'll just kind of, when I, when I feel like cleaning the shop, I just vacuum up the spider webs. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point. They are part They are part of the pest control ecosystem. Yeah. So there's a good argument for leaving them there if they're not bothering you kind of fun to like direct the flies into the net into yeah. the webs and then they're stuck and you can watch them die yeah it's kind of fun. that spider's wow. biggest fan you, you used a magnifying glass on anthills when you were a kid didn't you matt yeah 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 <laughs> yeah i like killing things okay uh matt i think you're up oh wow look at this uh this is from jen she says we're rehabbing an old workbench and my question is about finishing hmm. the online answers are convoluted at best and i want expert opinions but since I'll have to access to you Came guys, the wrong place. Here. <laughs> you had to see that one coming. Come on. <laughs> it's funny, I didn't even read that part of the question and I was going to make that joke and she did it for me. This, <laughs> this is fantastic. Yeah. Should I use boil linseed oil, Danish oil? Do you have uh, a different suggestion? Love you guys. Love the show. Thank you. So I thought this would be kind of interesting because we can all, we all have workbenches and we all have finish on them. So my approach to my workbench was uh, when I finished it, I'm like, what do I have like an old can of that I need to get rid of? So my workbench is finished in outdoor oil because uh, that's what I had. I didn't plan on using it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a utility thing. It's, a good it's just point. there. I, so when a, I spill glue on it, it won't stick. I've got like a 10-year-old can of outdoor oil that would be perfect for that sitting over here. <laughs> <laughs> good idea. There you go. Yeah, it's a good way to use up that last little bit of finish in the can. Can yeah. you? Can you, would, uh, you? Would you guys agree with the fact that most people overthink this? Yep. Yes, most definitely. Okay. No question. I, I do not put finish on my bench. I did not finish my bench. It is finished now because like, you know how you apply that last coat and there's still a little bit on the brush or still a little bit in the <laughs> yeah. rag that yeah. wipes on the bench right there. <laughs> there you go. All of my, all of my jigs, my shooting boards, all the stuff gets a little white down at that point. <laughs> you know, I've got, I've got bits of, um, uh, milk paint on my bench. I've got some shellac down here. There's some varnish on the other side. Yeah, it's, it's so a it's like a finishing a swatch sample for Ash. Yeah, exactly. there you go. <laughs> this is what Ash looks like under uh, Armor Seal, and here's what it looks like under Endurovar. Right here is a nice garnet shellac. This uh, is a cut. It was milk paint. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ultimately the workbench is going to get beat up if you're using it, and you don't want too much of a film finish. It kind of uh, sort of defeats the purpose of having a nice grippy work surface and something that would look terrible as soon as it gets, you know, hit with a wayward (laughs) screw or a wayward uh, chisel. Uh, So a light duty, easily refreshed finish is probably your best bet. So I think any, any of the ones she's, you know, thinking about are probably fine, but honestly for me, Danish oil, which is a lot like that outdoor oil formulation is probably very much like a Danish oil uh, is a good oil varnish blend. I think is a great choice and a couple of coats will do you and then start using it and then reapply as needed when needed. Yeah, because um, remember, if you ever reflatten your bench, you're just going to take off all the finish. There goes all the finish. <laughs> oh boy, I need to do that. Actually, I got a flattening in my future. Uh, Shannon, you're up. Yeah, 
I question, yeah. do, you, do you really need to reflatten the bench? No, I don't. Somebody asked me that question the other day, and I took a straight edge to my bench, specifically saying the last time I flattened my bench is when Mark Spagnuolo asked me to flatten it for his <laughs> yeah, Can you build. demo that for me? <laughs> <sighs> he wanted me to do it by hand, so I did a video on that. That was the last time I flattened my bench. It's still flat. I remember that. So. I said, Shannon, could you uh, do a demonstration of uh, flattening with hand tools? And all I heard was... <sighs> <laughs> But I got the video out of him, so that was good. Because it's you. <laughs> good All stuff. Right. We got, we've got another another um, email here that I'm not quite sure what's going on. It's kind of like the Keith comment. So mm-hmm. this is uh, from Sean. He says, gentlemen, Nair for men actor and Rigatone Spagnoles. So I, I know who Rigatone Spagnoles is. Yeah, I get Nair that. Nair actor. Is that Matt? And am I the gentleman? I don't know. Nair because I'm I'm pretty hairless, actor. so I could also be a Nair for Men actor. I don't I think figured. the Nair for Men actor would be Matt because he's way yeah. too hairy. It's, it's got to be. It's like ironic. Yeah. So but, you're but, so you're the gentleman. Gentle? See, and that's what throws me off because Matt, gentleman, nah. Uh, anyway, Sean says I'm looking for a stupidly stable hardwood. It'll be used for making a bracket for a shop made rip fence. So dimensionally, dimensional stability is my biggest concern. What are some good species that I might actually find here in Denver? I'd like to thank Shannon in advance for his well thought out answer. Let's hope I can hear it through the other two's giggling. <laughs> Go buffs. Go buffs. Way to hear that. He put that in the end there. And Hey, look, look, Colorado university, of Colorado t-shirt for nice. those that are watching the live stream. Oh, right now. Is that what that is? That's what that is. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, cool. yeah, I'll sing the fight song for you guys later. It'd be good. Please do. Um, so the, the, the most dimensional, dimensionally stable species that I know is Ipe. Um, but here's the thing. You want to look at the most of the technical specs. If you go to the Wood database, if you if you actually go to my company site at McIlvain.com, you'll see the tech specs on each product page. You'll see tangential movement. You'll see radial movement. And those will be percentage numbers. And then most of them will have a TR ratio number. That's tangential to radial ratio. Ipe is... Most places will print it at 1.1, one being perfectly isometric. It moves the same in both directions. Ipe is actually less than 1.1, but people just round round up. Um, It moves almost the same in both directions. So it's not that you're looking for a wood that moves very little. You're looking for a mood that a a mood (laughs) for wood that moves the same in both tangential and radially. So Ipe is probably the most common one. You're certainly going to be able to find that in Denver. Anybody who sells decking is going to have Ipe. Um, But it is harder than rock. It's a Janka hardness of 3,600 some uh, pounds per square inch, but it doesn't mean that you can't work with it. I know lots of people who build benches and stuff out of it. That would be the easiest thing. But if you're, if you're just curious, go over to the wood database and look up that TR number or look for TR ratios of, of, of one um, and see, see what Google yields for you. More than likely, you're going to find all kinds of species and it all just comes down to what can I actually obtain, which is why I go back to eBay. Okay. Wonderful. There was definitely not enough giggling in the background. <laughs> Let's okay. do that again. That's enough just from Mark. Yeah, do it one more time. I think I more than made up for it. Yeah, uh, it was terrible. Okay, do you... It's definitely not your thing. No, it's the giggling to me. Okay, fine. You're the giggler. <laughs> uh, okay, so we have a quick question I, I threw in here as a co-answer question. Uh, this is from Amanda at Rustic Duck Furniture. This is a content question. So if you don't like that stuff, you could probably... It's the last question of the show, so you can uh, turn it off now if you want to. 
Uh, in the last episode, <laughs> just warning people, I know they don't like it. Just giving them a heads up. In the last episode, Mark mentioned getting rid of his capex in part to be able to be more relatable to his audience. Uh, my question is that as content creators, how do you decide, oh man, these, the single column thing is driving me nuts. I got to fix this. Uh, let's see. Where is it? My question is as content creators, how do you decide what level to keep your content at, to be able to appeal to the masses? You all have a wealth of experience and talent. Do you find that sometimes you have to pare it down or do you find it difficult? Uh, if when filming a project as a tutorial, the experience in you would use XYZ tool or finish, but then maybe have to change your method because Joe public is not likely to have that. Thanks in advance. Love the show. Well, I, I could say personally all the time, this is something I always think about. Uh, the way I would woodwork and the tools I would use to do it would look very different if I didn't have a camera over my shoulder constantly. Um, I've uh, established a business that can afford certain equipment. If I wanted to go to that level, that equipment would make it easier, potentially more fun. And I would certainly be able to get certain things done in a much simpler way. Uh, but it's a money question. It would, it would, it would put me and outpace the budget of most of my audience, but there is a limit. So I know there are a lot of folks, there's a lot of channels out there who very much appeal to the weekend woodworker who is going and buying, you know, uh, let's, I don't want to disparage any tool brands, but your lower, your lower grade tool brands and just getting things done. And there's nothing wrong with that, but that gets to a point where I'm no longer happy doing this. So even though I know I might actually get a bigger audience if I like directly appealed to that crowd, I have to draw a personal limit at, at a certain level that I find no longer fun. So I'm sure you guys do this to some extent, maybe not as much as me. I, I don't know. What, what's your perspective on it? Let's go to Matt. Um, I guess I'm almost kind of more opposite of you. I just do whatever I want to do. Yeah. Because that, that's the whole reason I, I kind of got into content creation was to be able to work the way I want to with the tools that I have, the tools I want to use and kind of go from there. I mean, I, I have um, like delayed some of the tool upgrades. Like I could have afforded things a long time ago or mm -hmm. I, I could have put those in place a long time ago. I just haven't done it. Like put a Shelix head in my planer or like put a, I just uh, did the dust collector thing. So I have a cyclone coming finally. You're just waiting for someone to send it to you for free. <laughs> no, I'm waiting for someone to stand for me for free and pay me to take it. You know, Come I mean, on, our version You're of amateur. free. Our version of free. <laughs> yeah. No, I get it. I get it. Well, no, see, I respect that. Now, is there a point, let's say, uh, who wouldn't want a giant, big, like, wide belt sander? Like, something, like, hardcore, right? Or maybe even uh, at the William Ng School, I always go back to this, Williams Felder Planer that has a digital, like, automatic lift system in it so you could dial into the nearest like thousandth how thick you want your material and the stuff comes out of it doesn't even need to go through the sander it's like it's been uh, not not sanded to 220 but hand planed is the the quality of the surface that comes out of this thing uh so is there a point where you would not let that come into your shop for 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 show reasons or for um you know content reasons well yeah no, no. <laughs> well for, for shannon <laughs> but but you know what that that's a good point because I've had stuff like that like uh, has come my way like power tools that would be really beneficial you know in a hand tool shop and it's just not the way I want to work mm -hmm. um and and it, I think it would be a major I would be called a sellout and I would have to say you're absolutely right because I wouldn't really use this tool it's not the way I like to work um, but bringing it into the shop just to show it would I I I wouldn't do it wouldn't do it okay fair enough 
So anything else you guys want to add to that or should we just close <laughs> off the show? <laughs> yes. Let's just pinch it off. Okay, so if you want to leave us a review in uh, iTunes, we appreciate that. That always helps. Just go to the iTunes store, look us up, and click on ratings and reviews. And uh, let's see what else. You can help us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash woodtalk, or you could buy a t-shirt that says woodtalk on it. It's pretty cool. It's at twwstore.com. Shannon, why don't you give them the contact info and we'll get out of here. I'd love to. If you have comments, questions, or topic suggestions, there are lots of ways to get it in our earballs. You can uh, send us a voicemail. If you use your voice memo app, send that to woodtalkonline at gmail.com. You can use our contact form at woodtalkshow.com slash contact, or just go to this episode on woodtalkshow.com and leave a comment at the bottom. We're everywhere you want to be. We're at Instagram. We're in Twitter. Both of those at Wood Talk Show. We're also on the Facebook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That we are. All right. That's a good show. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll catch you next time. See you. Bye. Goodbye to you. Where's that dust coming from? Still finding debris after vacuuming? Eufy X10 Pro Omni Robot Vacuum has 8,000 PA of powerful suction to remove debris deep in carpets. And it's totally hands-free. Want to know more? Go to eufy.com. That's E-U-F-Y.com and discover X10 Pro Omni, the best-in-class all-in-one robot vacuum for only $799.